So it's good to be here. Uh, I was here a number of years ago, back when you were in a building. But um, good to be back here this morning. Well, this is a building. I think it was a Baptist church building. And um, good to see Joshua and Julie, isn't it? Right. And uh, Jyoti, they were all, they were in our assembly back in Winnipeg, I don't know how many years ago. Uh, They were much smaller than they are now. Uh, that I didn't recognize them. I recognize Jyoti because she hasn't aged. She looks exactly the same. She's not even here to hear that, I don't think. Um, Good to be with you this morning. And um, I'm going to be trying to coordinate uh, between uh, the clicker that's going to advance the slides up there and my arrow that's going to be advancing the slides down here and then it'll work. So, before we start, I thought you folks might be interested in this. Uh, this is the Johnson family. Uh, they come from Chandigarh. They arrived in Winnipeg two and a half weeks ago. Um, from, uh, well, you know where Chandigarh is. Uh, it's a government district. Um, sort of the capital city of uh, Punjab as well as Haryama or Haryana. Yeah. And uh, so they arrived. Uh, we picked them up at the airport on a Wednesday morning. Uh, they were fairly bundled up, uh, although it really wasn't that cold in Winnipeg. Uh, unfortunately, the reason why uh, Naveen was bundled up is he, the day before they left India, um, he had contacted... Uh, a sickness, and uh, he spent had a fever the whole time he was traveling, not only from Chandigarh to Delhi, but on the flight over to Toronto and then to Winnipeg, and uh, he wasn't feeling good, very good at that at that stage. Actually, the first uh, four of five days he spent in Winnipeg in Canada, uh, he was in and out of hospitals. Finally, they admitted him. Finally, they accepted that maybe he knew what he was talking about that he believed he had dengue fever. Uh, Most of the medical professionals that were dealing with him had no idea what he was talking about. Fortunately, one of the elders in one of the assemblies in Winnipeg is a foremost infectious disease expert in the world, and we got a hold of him, and he got uh, Naveen into Health Sciences Center, and uh, he was admitted for a couple of days. And uh, then that was the... So two weeks ago, this evening... uh, Naveen finally got out of uh, the hospital, and uh, the family were just in, you can imagine, well, you, you, you especially can imagine everything that was involved in just getting to Winnipeg, um, and then to have this happen, um, it just, it was very difficult, but uh, God answered prayer, and in that time, uh, they had been planning to settle on the very south side of Winnipeg. Uh, came to uh, uh, where the university is and things like that. We've started a new assembly up on the north side of Winnipeg. We live on the north side of Winnipeg. Uh, the children came with us two Sundays ago uh, to uh, Kildonan Christian Fellowship. Absolutely loved it. And so far as the parents were concerned, that was enough. They wanted, they've come to Canada because uh, for their children's future. And... Um, Again, lots would understand that. And uh, so to find a 
finding a church where their children could get plugged in was very important to uh, Shadnam and Naveen, and um, also to uh, find good education for them, uh, very important. So that's the Johnsons. <laughs> that was last Saturday. Um, we had our first snowfall in Winnipeg. Um, and interestingly, um, because they decided they're going to move to the, going to settle in the north side of the city, uh, while he was in the hospital, they'd made that decision on the Sunday afternoon because the children had such a positive experience of church in the morning. Um, uh, in the waiting room, I just decided to Google three-bedroom uh, apartment rental North Caldonan, and uh, up popped a picture, the very first one, and I said to my wife, doesn't that look like our condo? And uh, there was a three-bedroom, we have a one-bedroom condo, we just moved in, uh, but there was a three-bedroom condo available in exactly the same building, the uh, same complex. And uh, I showed it to Shabdam, and uh, it all fit their criteria in fact, it was way beyond. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. That's looking out their front window. On both sides, their, wind, their windows of their condo look out onto forest and rivers. Uh, the kids are absolutely thrilled. And uh, I don't know if that would have happened. If they'd come to Winnipeg well, the week early, a week earlier, if they had been well, if Naveen had been welded and they didn't have that interim time for the kids to make contacts and to, they would have just looked for something right away on the south side of the city. So just you could pray for them. They're now working, looking uh, for work. I haven't been advancing slides here, sorry. So that's our family. Uh, we've been working with VJ, worked with MSC Canada. MSC Canada started serving us uh, over 33 years ago when we became missionaries. We had two little girls that uh, traveled with us over to the Republic of Ireland, and um, we had a son that was born there. Um, this past May, my wife retired. Uh, she had a 0.5 position at the hospital, and uh, so we're transitioning. We're at that time of life where uh, we got kids and grandkids, but they basically look after themselves. It leaves us freer um, in our full-time ministry, and so we're very glad uh, about that. One of the things that we're doing currently um, is seeing a new assembly established. It's called Kildonan Christian Fellowship. It started almost two years ago, and uh, we're in the process of formally recognizing elders right at the ver this very time. Uh, Kildonan is a name for the northeast of Winnipeg. There's Old Kildonan, North Kildonan, East Kildonan, Kildonan Meadows, and a few others. And so that's where we are meeting. We're meeting in a school, Chief Pegwis Junior High School. And uh, that's our logo. I told them, don't use that name. I said, everybody, all the other Christians, are going to say the chicken church. Because we go by acronyms. KCF, and nobody would think KCF when they heard it. They'd only think KFC. So there it is. Actually, they're not really using that one. 
But, um, oops, so that's Kildonan Christian Fellowship. Oh, I'm clicking the wrong thing. And uh, so that's just our, our sign. And uh, we start out the day with, with breakfast. And so people just come in and, and it's, uh, actually the kids are pushing the parents out the door to get to church on Sunday morning because <laughs> they want to have breakfast. They want to have breakfast with their friends. They want to play. And uh, we found that it's a, just a great way to start the week is just reconnect with one another. And then when 11 o'clock comes, similar to here, everybody's here. And uh, we, can, we can start. And that's uh, one of the different things that we're doing um, oh, sorry, I'm messing up here. Um, so that's us meeting today. We've about doubled in size. We're probably similar to here, about 70 with adults uh, and children. Um, I work with MSC Canada and uh, have a few different roles. Uh, again, I'm not going to explain too much about MSC Canada. VJ's here. You probably know more than I do. Um, but we're committed to local church-driven missions and uh, committed to God's supply. We exist to engage and enable each generation to uh, impact the world for Christ. And so whatever you need to know about MSC, just go to the website and uh, you'll see... Oh, I see. Something's on a timer. It's advancing on its own. Uh, you'll see that... Um, I, that's probably my mistake. So mscanada.org, and you can go to what it's about, news, workers, if you want to send someone, if you want to go, projects that are taking place around the world, opportunities to serve programs, all the things. Just go to the website as you expect, and everything will be made available there. Um, don't have time for this this morning, um, but again, creative access into countries today is one of the, uh, the main things that we're focusing on in missions and uh, actually, that's a, uh, the martyr's map, I believe it is. Uh, the other issue is security. Again, our missionaries in many places, and especially in these restricted uh, countries, um, is under threat. Not just the church, but even the missionaries who are going to these places within the last couple of weeks. Uh, can't say where, can't say when, can't say who, but MSC has had to uh, deal with... Uh, one of our missionaries being kidnapped and uh, negotiating and uh, dealing with that kind of an issue. So there's lots of things, lots of different services that MSC uh, offers uh, to the churches. Um, and so Vijay and I are involved in sort of the, the governance a little bit of MSC. I'm also a regional rep. We have different reps across the country of Canada. Um, and, and I look after the center of the country we're actually looking for um, the, the right person to represent us uh, in Quebec. Um, the man who did that for many years, decades, is retired. Uh, we've also um, decided we're going to have reps in northern Ontario and southern Ontario. And so we're praying about that and working towards seeing people added there. Uh, another ministry that we are expanding with MSC, and that's called Worker Care, and uh, there's going to be three couples committed to that, and it's basically providing care at every kind of level that we can uh, to the missionaries that have been sent out from assemblies in Canada around the world. 
And um, the other two couples are Phil and Marilyn Barnes, uh, looking after Africa and special areas. And then um, Conrad and Beckley LeKelt from Edmonton actually go to the same assembly. Where's the brothers that knew, or somebody that knew George Thomas, uh, where the Thomases all are, all are in Edmonton, Capilano Christian Assembly. And so uh, they're looking after Southeast Asia, uh, Central and South America. Um, this week, we're here, this past week, we did a five-day seminar on understanding people, mental health, and trauma. And again, that's just part of uh, trying to get equipped uh, to help uh, those who are serving the church in other places around the world. And so there's a, really the mission field for people that are leaving their culture to go to another culture, and that's why it's better that nationals are really driving the gospel effort in, in the countries where they live. Uh, but when missionaries go, it creates a bit of a hot box effect. And whatever their issues, whatever their troubles were back home, they don't go away because they become missionaries. They have actually are probably going to surface and uh, grow, and sometimes that's not a good thing, um, in, an, in a more rapid uh, race. And so whether it's uh, dealing with personal issues like anxiety, depression, stress, um, works as it works for us here, it works over there, and again, at maybe an accelerated rate. Uh, conflicts, not just maybe even husbands and wives, parents and children, missionary kids. Again, the missionaries were called, the children were never called. Um, they might not have a sense of calling, and it's a very tough place for them, through no uh, choice of theirs, uh, to be growing up in unusual circumstances, could be conflicts between workers, conflicts between missionaries and nationals. There's lots of place for conflict. 90% of the time, uh, when we hear of missionaries returning to Canada, 90% of the time we find somewhere in there it's due to the children's education, when really 95, 90% of the time it's due to conflicts, uh, whether in the home or in the work, uh, in the church, whatever. And uh, so we just need to, be, need to be praying, be aware of those things, and be praying for it. And again, at MSC Canada, uh, we're trying to do something to help with that. Robin and I are going to have responsibility for uh, Canadian missionaries working in Europe and then uh, out to Russia. Um, I head up another uh, ministry of MSC Canada called E-Teams. Uh, there's one of our old forms when it used to be TNT teams at the back. Thank you for keeping that up. Uh, it's a short-term evangelism ministry, and uh, we believe short-term missions, short-term evangelism teams uh, produce long-term results. They absolutely do. And uh, we, um, our model, whoops, uh, our model for mission is uh, enabling and equipping Christians to effectively cross cultures, encourage a church, and evangelize in English. So we go to Africa, we give people um, a sense of the work in Africa, but we go to Ghana, where the population is going to speak English, understand English. We're trying to train people to do cross-cultural evangelism. What you need is the language. And so we only go to countries uh, where they speak English. Uh, in, our, uh, in Europe, it's Ireland. Um, Sorry, I'm getting... <laughs> uh, in Central America, it's Belize. There's a team there right now in, uh, in Belize. And um, 
This is off the Facebook page, so if you want to check out what's happening right now, uh, please go to that Facebook page. And um, it really is exciting news. This is yesterday, uh, no, on, on Friday, uh, the team were at Grace Primary Extension School, and 150 students heard the gospel. Uh, they were in a local prison, and uh, God opened the door not only to get into the prison and uh, have a chapel, and all the prisoners were there, uh, presented with uh, the gospel by way of a testimony, sketchboard sermon, handed out tracts and stuff like that. Um, um, but they also got on the prison radio that transmits to the area, uh, an afternoon youth detention center, uh, and then another school. So that's the kind of things that the teams do. If you have interest, uh, put posters at the back. We have a team going to Ghana at the end of March. If you'd like to get involved in that. And then in uh, May, we have a team going to Ireland, and we add teams as they go along. So if you want to learn more about that, go to eteams.ca, and uh, you can find out about eteams. Now, when I put the word church up there, what image comes to mind? What's the picture in your head? Is it that? A lot of people came here today, would have explained it by, I'm going to church. Uh, now, this, this is unusual. There's three different uh, churches meeting under the same building, but typically people think of the, the church as the building. Um, again, it's not the steeple, it's the people. We understand that? So far as the New Testament is concerned... Um, there's an absence of things like tabernacles and temples and all those kind of things. Uh, they don't exist in the New Testament. Uh, that wasn't the point of the church in the New Testament. The actual church talks about a called out gathering. It's the gathering of the people. It's not the steeple. Uh, it's the people. Um, that is the church, according to what we read in the New Testament. How about this word, priest? What image comes to mind? What's the picture? Is it that? <laughs> I think, again, there's about 2 billion people in the world that would, under the, the, the umbrella of Christendom, and I would suggest to you probably in excess of, who knows, 99% of 2 billion, um, probably think not only that the building is the church, but think that priests are men that uh, wear special robes and have uh, special titles and uh, do special things, all that kind of stuff. Well, again, as with church, we have it in the New Testament, uh, this word priest. Um, the only time it's used, it's not used about, the pre like in the priests of the Old Testament, it's used about those people, the same people who are the church. And um, again, a lot of that mix-up came within a few centuries after the Lord Jesus Christ died and rose again. The Holy Spirit comes at the day of Pentecost and the gospel goes out. People are saved, people are baptized, people are discipled. They gather together, the church 
a called out gathering. They gather together. But it's not very long before the religious kind of idea that to a certain extent came out of the Old Testament, Judaism. In fact, the only time that we read about priests and priesthood in the New Testament, uh, when it's not talking about followers of Jesus Christ, uh, it's talking about Judaism. Or it's talking about paganism. But the church, the New Testament church, uh, did not have those priests. And yet, that seems to be a popular model today. A Methodist minister named Vincent Runyon many years ago wrote a booklet that swept around the world, Why I Left the Ministry and Became an Atheist. A lot of people wanted to read that book. But he made the comment that ministers and priests are quacks. Now, he was thinking about a certain kind of minister, a certain kind of priest. Actually, we are the ministers and the priests. In the New Testament, um, sorry. In the New Testament, again, we have this word di- diakonos, and it was transliterated. An actual English word was taken from the Greek word, and that's the word deacon. But in every place where this word um, is translated in the New Testament, again, it's talking about just believers, um, ministers of the gospel, uh, servants of the church, whatever the case may be. It's not a position, it's not a title, um, but that's the way we read about it in the New, uh, New Testament. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, and this is what we read. Verse 4, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. That's talking about the Lord Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Talking about the Lord Jesus, now he says to those to whom he's writing, You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then he goes on. Down to verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Aren't you glad of that? You were not once a people, but now you're a people. Once you had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the living stones. Who are the living stones? They are all those who are built upon the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, the foundation of the church, who are part of that church, you and me, and every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he uh, refers to them as a holy priesthood. A holy priesthood. Um, And he refers to them as as a royal priesthood. Not that they have a holy priesthood. 
Not that the church has a royal priesthood, but that the church is a royal priesthood. That's what the emphasis is on. He says, you are, uh, more than a few times in those verses. So it's not talking about someone else, but each one of the living stones who are used to build up this thing called the church with the Lord Jesus Christ as the foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ as the capstone, the very pinnacle of the church. He's the point that everyone that's a part of that house, everyone that's a part is the church. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1, it says what the ministry of the priest is. For every high priest taking from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God that he might may offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so the priests, even in the Old Testament, and today in many uh, Christian churches, Christian denominations, where they would have priests or have ministers, um, rather than seeing this teaching in the New Testament, um, that person would be in that place to minister to God on behalf of the people, and to minister to the people on behalf of God. Um, it's a, a place of mediation. <laughs> it's uh, the, that priest or that minister becomes sort of the, the person that's between us and God. At least that's the idea. That's what's in our head. That's what most people believe. But what does the Bible say in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5? It says, for there is one God... I mean, most of the Bible is not hard to understand. It says what it means, means what it says. So if we can read and we can comprehend, uh, there's words, there's uh, words connected by rules of grammar into sentences, etc. It says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man. And it's not a priest, it's not a minister, it's not anyone else. For there is one God... And one mediator between God and man, and who is that? The man Christ Jesus, who gave his life a ransom for us all. He's the one who is qualified to be there. He can mediate for us. He became a man, sent of God. He went to a cross, allowed God to put his, our sin on him, and then he paid the penalty. He, so when we come and talk to God, we come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Why? Because we recognize that he's the mediator between us and God. Paul makes it very clear that he's the only mediator between us and God. We have been made priests. Who has access to God? According to religion... The priests do. Well, according to the New Testament, we're priests. That means each and every one of us, if we're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have instant access into his presence. We don't have to go to someone in order to go to God. We don't have to go to someone in order to go to Jesus. <laughs> we go to God through Jesus because we're priests. So our Godward ministry, it says, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. You are a holy priesthood. To what end? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's what we've been doing here this morning. 
We've been honoring the Lord. We've been praising the Lord. We've been blessing the Lord. We've been thanking the Lord. We've been worshiping the Lord. Who are we (laughs) that we would presume to come into the presence as we were talking earlier and as we were singing of a God who is holy, holy, holy? Who are we? We're nothing. (laughs) We're no one. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's everything. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He gained for us access to God. And when we come to God as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have instant access. And we can offer up holy sacrifices, a holy priesthood that are acceptable to God. We can, each and every one of us. Then he also said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. The holy holy priesthood looks after the vertical. The royal priesthood looks after the horizontal. We're a royal priesthood that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What What is the story about being called from darkness and being brought into light? What's that called? It's the gospel, right? That's the gospel. And as a royal priesthood, he's made us a royal priesthood that we proclaim the praises we were talking earlier about not being ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's the power of God unto salvation to each one who believes. Paul understood that he was a priest. It was up to him to be proclaiming the praises of him who delivered from darkness and brought us into his wonderful light. And so this is the teaching of the New Testament. Not that we have priests, but that we are priests. And not just some of us, all of us. It's the priesthood of every believer is what uh, the teaching would be. Here's a wonderful doxology. Uh, People would actually sing this. It's out of the Bible. Uh, We actually sing it in a hymn, or some of those that are older of us. The chorus of the hymn, it starts with, with harps and with vials we sing. Right? Sorry about that. Um, We'll get the the team back up here. But the chorus is, Unto him who has loved us and washed us from sin, unto him be the glory forever. Amen. Remember that one? Here's the interesting thing. That is a doxology. That's just based, the words of that chorus are straight out of Scripture, except for... That bit. (laughs) The scripture actually, how important is it to know that God loved us? That's what we want. It's great. It's fantastic. It's most important. That's why we want to say, unto him who has loved us. How important is it that he washed us from our sins by his blood? It's everything. (laughs) If there's no blood, if there's, there's no payment for sin, there's no forgiveness of sin. Hebrews chapter 10. He loved us, and he washed us by his blood, from our sin with his blood. Well, you know what's put on equal standing as a third statement in the doxology that's found in Revelation chapter 1? Which means, how important is this truth? Very important. Just as important as he loved us, and he washed us, is the fact that he has made us a kingdom of priests. 
So if we don't understand this, and I'm not, I can't be comprehensive here this morning, but if we need to see that this is what the Bible teaches, it's not just what we do, it's who we are. We are priests. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. There's all kinds of priesthood throughout the Bible, uh, including, most importantly, the priesthood of Christ. The priesthood of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. One of the outstanding verses in the Bible. The most loved verse is John, what? 3.16. The most hated verse in the whole Bible found in the same gospel is what? 17, what's that? No, although that's, yeah, that's the one we, and 18, we need to remember though. It's actually John 14, 6. Everybody wants to hear that God so loved us when they hear Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. That's hard for people to hear. I can tell you doing door-to-door work and open-air work, There's no pushback on God so loved the world. (laughs) There being only one way, and that's Jesus, that angers people. Um, But the priesthood of Christ, very important verse, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, but this man, but this man offered himself a sacrifice once and for all. Who is this man? He's a priest because he offers a sacrifice. It's Jesus Christ. But this man offered one sacrifice for sin forever. He was both the offerer and the offering, the priesthood of Christ. How important is that, that he offered himself a sacrifice for us, for our sin? Can't go in there. You do that study on your own. There's a very good book. Maybe there might be something on the the internet. Oh, gee. I'm forwarding my slides as though I know what I'm talking. You're seeing it. Um, Don't have time to go there. Check out, uh, again, the priesthood throughout the, the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Even in the uh, Revelation, in chapter 5, it recognizes those who are singing in heaven are priests. They've been priests. They continue to be priests even in heaven. So it's a better priesthood who serve a better high priest, and his name is Jesus Christ. Here's something I used to say to people concerning the kind of church that I'm involved in. I would used to describe it largely based on what we don't do or what we don't have, kind of a negative way to approach things. Uh, I used to say, we, our church, we don't have clergy. We're all laity. And people would look at me like I had three eyes, especially religious people. Um, we lived in Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, for years. And uh, it just didn't make sense because you have to have people who are going to pray to God. You have to have people who are going to, to lead worship. You have to have people to marry people and to bury people and to baptize people. And, you need. and so when I would say, in our church, we don't have clergy, they would go like, how can you have church? And you know what? They were right. 
this way of thinking is not a correct way of thinking. Here's the reality. If we believe what the New Testament teaches, it's not that we don't have clergy, it's that every single believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is a priest. And we have the responsibility for all that ministry. All that ministry. And... Um, Sorry, I'm going to have to run through. So, all believers, and uh, another time we could do a study. There's all kinds of things that we do as priests, that we're called upon to do as priests. It has nothing to do with our gender, has nothing to do with our spiritual gifting, has to do with the fact we're priests. One is following Christ. Um, another is sacrificing our lives. All these are in the context of sac sacrifice and offering, things that are called in the New Testament a sweet-smelling aroma to God, praising God, the fruit of our lips, the sacrifice of praise, praying to God. It talks about in Revelation how there's bowls of prayer that are like incense to God. They were the prayers of the saints. We pray as priests. We praise as priests. Uh, it talks about our giving an acceptable sacrifice to God. Philippians chapter 4. We give whatever we give as priests, in our roles as priests. Giving isn't, uh, pardon me, that's not right. There is a special gift, spiritual gift of giving. But we all give. We all give as priests. Um, doing good works. Being a witness. Someone mentioned the verse earlier that wherever Christians go, they're the fragrance of Christ. That's that sweet-smelling savor. When we go as witnesses, it's not what we do, it's who we are. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. We are the aroma of God. We are serving in our priesthood. Nothing on the list of all the things that we do is dependent on having a particular spiritual gift, being a distinctive gender, this is about us and what he has made us, a kingdom of priests to our God, to minister to him, to sacrifice to him, to honor him, and on his behalf to declare the praises of the one who del delivered us from darkness into his marvelous light. Father, as we go out from here, this is the beginning of another week. And whatever we are going to be doing for the rest of this day and each day through this week, whether it's in our home, in our neighborhood, uh, in our school, in our places of work, um, just out and about, Father, help us to understand what you have made us. The Lord Jesus Christ has made us, and at, what, and at what cost? Help us to be the priests that you've called us to be, to serve you, to minister to you, to honor you. And then, Father, to speak to you, to those that we meet day by day. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.